Football News. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. Fresh look for the Boilermakers as the Ryan Walters era gets underway Saturday at ross Stadium. It won't be an easy one with Purdue a slight favorite against Fresno State. Hi, I'm Kyle Charters, Tom Deanhard, Brian Hubert, and Alan Karpik here for Gold and Black Radio. All right, Tom, the time is finally here. The Boilermakers will open against the Bulldogs, Fresno State, in ross Stadium at noon on Saturday. The Ryan Walters era will get underway. I think there's a lot of anticipation for this, obviously, uh, for a number of reasons. Purdue's coming off a couple of seasons in a row in which it has combined to win 17 games. That has not happened since the late 90s. But not only that, you do have a new coaching regime coming in. There's always intrigue with that, and there will be for this game, of course, the opener on Saturday. Yeah, there's just so much that's new about this program, obviously with the coach, the staff, uh, the schemes, you know, a new offense, a new defensive alignment as well. So nobody really knows what to expect. Didn't get to watch really much of anything in spring football and training camp. So just a lot of a lot of mystery surrounding this this first edition of Ryan Walters, uh, the Ryan Walters era. What's going to happen? And it's going to be a heck of a test, you know, with with Fresno State in town here. A very proud program rich history a history of knocking off power five you know schools dating back to the pat hill era going back 20 25 years so um yeah it's going to be a lot of fun just to kind of finally see what this all looks like for ron walters and see if he can get off on the right foot here as he embarks on his head coaching debut yeah won't be able to ease into the 2023 season that is for sure you do get the benefit of being at home in the renovated ross stadium which should be a little bit of a boost. I mean, what do we expect to see here? I know that's a, that's a difficult question. As you mentioned, you know, we've only get, gotten to see bits and pieces of Purdue since Walters took over both in the spring and then in training camp. You know, I'm, I'm even asking sort of beyond just like the scheme. Like, what do you what do you anticipate Purdue to be like from a personality point of view, if that question makes sense? I mean, I, I, I have no idea. I, I have no earthly idea. You know well, what they're going to be like. Like I said, I, I don't know if it's a tough team, if it's, but it's a resilient team. We haven't we haven't seen them, so I really, I really can't tell you about their personality. Um, yeah. Um, you know, scheme wise, again, an air raid based offense. Um, what that exactly means, I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm thinking it's going to be quarterback centric. I think they want to get the ball out quickly and, and, and try to probably pass more than they throw it. You know, Graham Harrell never gave me the sense that, you know, they're going to be a team that was going to be like Mike Leach's air raid where they're throwing it 60, 70 times a game if need be, totally yeah. abandon the run. But just air raid based. And there's a lot of different offshoots of the air raid offense. And and uh, I think Graham wants to be uh, – I think he wants to be balanced. I think he's got a good set of running backs. Got three quality backs in Mockaby, Tracy, and Downing. Uh, those guys can – not just run it, but they can catch it. I think that'll be a big part of the offense, catching the football. I think we're all curious to see who's going to be that alpha receiver, who's going to be that number one target with Charlie Jones gone. I think a lot of people believe that'll be Deion Burks, number four. Uh, but one weapon we know that Hudson Card won't have is is the, his tight end, Garrett Miller, arguably the team's best pro prospect, still 
isn't fully recovered from that knee injury he suffered over a year ago. So that'll be a big loss not having him to throw to. So, again, offensively, I think it has a chance to be sort of a an exciting attack. And, you know, having said all that, though, Kyle, you know, the offensive line, that's to me, that's that's still a big question, right? Um, I think, you know, Musa may not may, may not play Saturday. Uh, with a with with a leg issue, and there's a there's a chance Purdue could be down to its number three center as well. So, the line as usual is going to have something to prove. I think. Yeah, that's the big question. Then defensively, probably in the secondary. Let's talk a little bit of of defense. Yeah. There have probably been what in the last twenty five years one season where you've been sort of intrigued by what Purdue is going to be or be able to do defensively, and that was probably. 20 years ago in, in 2003. Intrigue a little bit different this time around, 20 years later, not because you felt like it was going to be a great defense, but because you felt like it was new, it's fresh, it's what the head coach, his whole philosophy is a little bit. So there's a lot of intrigue about Purdue and what it will be defensively. I, I have some high hopes, uh, of course, for that front seven. I think Purdue's got an opportunity, if they stay healthy, to be pretty good up there. Of course, as I mentioned, there are a lot of questions uh, in that secondary, but it seems like Purdue perhaps has the ability to play at least um, a, a shell of what Ryan Walters eventually wants to be. Yeah, I'm not sure if his personnel is, is the, to the level that he had at Illinois. Outstanding defense last year over in Champaign. Um, but there, there's some there's some building blocks, and I think, Kyle, you hit on one of the biggest ones is, is, is up front. I think the line has a chance to be the strength of the defense. Most people would agree with that. They've gotten much bigger on the interior with uh, three SEC transfers now, you know, really bulking up that line. I love the nose tackles, Cole Brevard, Mo Monaday, Demarjay Lewis. They got some real potential there. And the outside linebackers who are going to be on the line, one's a Fox who plays to the field side. The other one's a Buck who plays to the boundary. And we know the names there, Nick Scorton. You know, Cordy Sidner, Kydron Jenkins, Will Helt, um, Scotty Humpich. You know, I was talking to Kevin Kane, the defensive coordinator this week, and it's all about getting one-on-one blocks. That's what they want. Everybody up front to have a one-on-one block, five-on-five. And he thinks, you know, if, if that's the case, you should beat your man. And that that's the goal here is, is to get these guys in one-on-one blocks and go mano-a-mano, get up field, especially the guys off the edge, get up field, get some pressure. So – and there's, there's talent there. So they're going to have to get a rush. It's like you talked about that back end. Boy, a lot of questions there, especially a cornerback. Every cornerback on this roster, Kyle, is either a transfer or a true freshman. Uh, I like the starters. I think Marquise Wilson, Marquevious Brown are solid starters. But after that, boy, it drops off quickly. Um, you got a junior college transfer and a true freshman are your number three, your number four cornerback. So um, those guys got to hold up and get some help from the front. Yeah, they certainly do. You know, we usually talk about injuries during this time. We knew a lot of them coming in to this week. Some guys who, you know, we anticipated being out and had anticipated being out for a while. Uh, when you tweeted out on Monday, uh, Purdue's official depth chart, the one that we did not perhaps anticipate, at least I did not, I think some others as well, was the guy you mentioned earlier, Garrett Miller. Yeah not being available for Purdue. It does not appear this week. Any idea when uh, the tight end might be back out there on the field for the Boilermakers? 
I, I just think it's going to be a week-to-week thing, Kyle. I, I was like you. I was surprised. I think a lot of people. It's been over a year. And Marge Lewis injured his knee about the same week last summer as 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 Garrett Miller. I don't know the details of each guy's knee injury. I'm guessing they were similar, but you know that the, the timeline's been as long for each guy. And Lewis is going to be able to play, and Miller's not. So I'm not sure what's up with that. I never got any indication he wasn't going to be ready for the start of the year. So again, I was as surprised as you. Again, I, from what I from what I'm hearing, again, like I said, week to week. On Garrett Miller, you certainly would like to get him back. I thought it was interesting, Kyle, that the depth chart had Max Clare, the redshirt freshman, sitting atop the tight ends. And you know what? I've been told, I'm sure you've heard too, that this is a kid they love. And uh, you know about Max Clare. He's a heck mm-hmm. of a baseball player. Yeah. He looks the part. And I think he could be a special tight end. So uh, who knows? Maybe there won't be a big drop-off. But anyway, yeah, I, I was shocked by you. But again, among, among the key guys, not not to play again. We know about Garrett. We know Gus Hartwig's not going to play. I think Josh Kaltenberger, the backup center, is going to try to play Kyle. I'm not sure if he's going to make it though. He could have the Colorado transfer Austin Johnson snapping. And I talked about Mohamed Musa. I think he's 50-50 with. Uh, you know, he's had one of his legs in a boot for a while. He can't go. Daniel Johnson will probably get to start at left tackle. And you know, on on uh, defense, there's not really. Any, any key guys, I mean, that, that are going to be out. Uh, Snoozy Kane's going to play with the cast on his left wrist, you know. But, you know, there's guys like J.P. Dieter and, and Prince Boyd who aren't going to be made available. They, they aren't really key guys. And the one transfer cornerback, Salim Turner Muhammad, they would love to have obviously available, but he's not going to be able to play either. But we've never even seen him take a snap yet. So defensively, what they've had through camp, for the most part, they're going to have on Saturday. Yeah, Max Clear. There were he must be a heck of an athlete because there were a lot of people who thought he was a better baseball prospect than football prospect, and if he's got a chance <laughs> to start, yeah, opener at tight end as a redshirt freshman, it must mean he's a uh, he's really good at both those sports. I would imagine. Yeah, nice position too. I know we we we've talked about that position. Both of both of you and I love that position. You know, Paul Paferi's still around, and yeah, and they they they, they like Drew Bibber too, number eighty two. Uh, they think he has a nice future. The true freshman, George. George Barron, he, he's not ready yet, but that's another kid. Boy, he looks good right now. Give him a year in the program, and I think they believe he can be a guy that can help him too. So real deep position. Much more to go on this uh, Golden Black Radio pregame show. Of course, if you're a, a new listener, we'll get a weather update. We'll get a view from the other side of things, Fresno State as well. Talk to Brian Newberg, get his perspective on Ryan Walters in the debut for the new Boilermaker coach. Alan Carpet will be by to talk some Big Ten football, give us a historical view as we hit year 100 for Ross <laughs> Stadium. And, uh, man, that'll be pretty awesome on, on Saturday with the Tiller Tunnel and that renovated stadium. Should be a great atmosphere. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back with the weather. Tom will rejoin us here in a couple of minutes uh, as well. Uh, you're listening to Golden Black Radio. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers are taking on Fresno State here in West Lafayette at Rossade Stadium with a kickoff time at noon. And we couldn't have asked for a better weather day to kick off the 2023 season. Those early morning tailgaters will wake up to sunshine with temperatures around 60 at 8 o'clock in the morning. By kickoff, temperatures will be climbing up into the upper 70s and lower 80s with southwest winds about 10 to 15 miles per hour. By the end of the game, high temperatures will be in the mid to upper 80s with plenty of sunshine for the entire day. 
It will be warm, so be sure to stay hydrated and enjoy the beautiful weather that will be expected at Ross 8 on Saturday. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up and hammer down. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. All right, we have on the line Robert Kuwata, who covers Fresno State for the Fresno Bee. Robert, just sort of give Purdue fans a sense of what they can expect to see from this Bulldog offense on Saturday. Well, this is a team that has a lot of uh, holes to fill, particularly on uh, the offensive side. Obviously, they lost a lot of production with uh, the quarterback and top three receivers and a thousand yard running back. So, uh, from that end, there's a few question marks that they're still trying to figure out. But it'll be a, uh, uh, you know, very solid defensive team. Offensively, I think, uh, you know, like I said, they're going to be, uh, Trying to figure a few things out, but I mean, you kind of give uh, some benefit of the doubt to uh, Jeff Tedford and his coaching staff. I think uh, they've been through this kind of thing before, obviously, and have put together on offensive offenses that have uh, averaged more than 30 points a game uh, five years in a row now. So, uh, you know, that's something that nobody in the Mountain West has been able to do. So, you gotta, you gotta think they're uh, gonna be able to do that again. Kind of give us a sense what to expect from the, the Bulldog defense. You know, a very good uh, group of five team. I think at this level, they have depth that was, uh, I think you would say is unusual, particularly in the uh, interior defensive line and, and on the edges. Their linebackers are very good. Uh, both cornerbacks could be uh, power five level players. Uh, you have some questions still at safety. They, uh, racing a, well, I should say, lost a pretty good transfer there. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they're going to be solid. And I think uh, defensive coordinator, you know, Kevin Coyle, I think you, know, what, you look at what they did down the stretch last year, I think they uh, only uh, gave up like nine points a game or 14 points a game, something like that. But through their last four, they did uh, Boise State beat Washington State in the bowl game. Uh, that was the first year in that system, so they're just looking to build on that. You know, number 14th in the nation at points, so points per game was uh, 19.4 uh, for a first year in that system. I think that's very good, and from where they ended off, I think they just continue to build on that. Okay, Robert, how do you see this game unfolding? You know, I wish I knew more about Purdue, uh, but I do think it'll be a, a very good game. I think from a Fresno State perspective, I think it'll be, uh, it won't be a high-scoring game. Uh, you know, I think their defense will keep them in a lot of games the way they're going to have to try and win at least early in the year. Uh, offensively, I'm not really sure where they're going to be at in game one, to be honest. I think they have some ground to make up. 
just through fall camp and just last week in their first week of uh, game prep. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, something in the uh, mid-high 20s, I think the winner will, will have. Ought to be interesting. Uh, Robert Kawada of Fresno B, we appreciate you dropping some uh, knowledge on us, sir. Sure, no problem. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find, featuring the staff of Golden Black. All right, Brian, let's get uh, your perspective on the Boilermakers as Purdue opens its 2023 season. First game under Ryan Walters, his first season. You know, if you look back at the last four Purdue coaches, of course, going back to Joe Tiller, two have had success in year one, Tiller and Jeff Brom. Maybe Jeff Brom was was one of the most surprising, I think, taking over from the, the dumpster fire uh, that was the Daryl Hazel era. But he got Purdue to seven wins, including that bowl victory. Now, of course, the two that did not do as well, Danny Hope. In a team that should have won seven, eight, nine games uh, in his first season, and then Daryl Hazel being one and eleven, uh, what's the challenge going to be for for Ryan Walters here this season? Well, comparing him and his situation right now at the past Purdue coaches is kind of a little bit of a a little bit of a fool's errand here because every circumstance is different. Every uh, inherited job is different. And college football is so different nowadays. It's almost like not even the same sport as when Joe Tiller took over from Jim Coletto back in the late 90s. It's just so different now. But I think the one thing, the common thread between those, what those, some of those coaching debuts told us is, those first games, you know, maybe aren't all that indicative of how things are going to go because, remember, Tiller famously lost Toledo. Everything took off from there. Danny Hope's team destroyed Toledo, albeit it was only Toledo. And then 
looked the part of a pretty damn good team at Oregon the next week and then came back, bust Northern Illinois. Things went off the rails from there. A team that was better than its record really underachieved there. Jeff Brom obviously didn't win his opener, but was competitive enough against Louisville to tell us that, hey, they're going to be all right here. Yeah. And we're all right here. Um, now it's an interesting situation for Walters because, you know, it, I keep writing about this and I keep debating this with people, but you can't really call it a rebuild because Purdue has been winning. It's not like he's he's inheriting abject failure the way that Jeff Brom did. But yeah. at the same time, like the team that won the Big Ten West last year, none of those guys are back hardly. Um, so it's kind of a rebuild. It's yeah. maybe not a rebuild. I, I think every team in college football to some extent nowadays with all the transfers is rebuilding. Um, but I think he's going to bring a new energy to Purdue football. I think, um, you know, as I said, uh, when he was hired, you know, a lot of people look for rising stars when they're making coaching hires. And it seemed like to me, like Purdue kind of thought it found a comet here, somebody who, you know, they don't just think can be good, but can be great. And I think that's Purdue's ambition in football. And, uh, you know, it's kind of up to him and that really young, but really energetic staff to get it done. And I, I just think the upside here is, is, is really considerable, but at the same time, it doesn't come without risk. Uh, you know, any first time head coach, there's going to be some, it's just human nature for there to be growing pains. And uh, there might be some of those, uh, how you handle adversity uh, goes a long way in telling you what, what a head coach is about. Ryan Walters has never been in that position before. This year might not be a straight line. You know, the schedule is very difficult. The personnel has turned over really considerably. They're going to rely on transfers, just like everybody else in college football, quite a bit. There are tons of unknown there. Um, so this is going to be, you know, we, we find reasons to say this sort of thing every year, but this is going to be as interesting a Purdue football season as there's been in, you know, forever because everything is brand new. Yeah, I think outside of a handful of teams, maybe every team is going to be rebuilding every year, it seems like, <laughs> in college football these days. Well, a lot right. of mid-pack sort of food chain teams are going to be rebuilding every year. All the yeah. power programs are just going to be retooling. They might pick up an impact player here or there. They might pick up a quarterback when they need a quarterback, something like that. Uh, they may add depth through the portal or a really great player. Um from the transfer wire, but they're not going to be turning over 30 guys every year. You know, the, the Purdue's, the Missouri's, the Syracuse's, the, you know, Iowa States, people like that. And um, I don't know why I pick on those four programs, but <laughs> those sort of teams that I think are going to be, are, are going to be turning over their rosters really considerably every year. Forever, Purdue has won with offense. It went out and got a young, defensive-minded coach, yet one who hired an offensive coordinator who will bring in the air raid. Will Purdue find a happy marriage between what it has been and a head coach who wants to also play defense? That's a kind of a hard question to answer. Um, you know, the whole air raid thing, I think people hear air raid and they think of throwing the ball up the field 50 times a game. I, I don't think that's reality. I think it's more of a philosophical approach than it is an actual sort of like we're just going to run four vertical every play sort of thing. I think 
I think what you're going to see is an offense that's not all that dissimilar to what Joe Tiller did with his spread offense and what and what um, what Jeff Brom did with his more pro style sort of vertical passing game. I think they're going to do a lot of underneath stuff, a lot of short stuff. I think they're going to pass to set up the run. And I think they'll take their shots when they're there. But more than anything, it's about attacking space, establishing matchups, you know, kind of things like that. So I don't know what's going to change, but I, I don't see a situation where Purdue throwing the ball deep every single play is in any way, shape, or form going to jibe with playing complimentary football. Obviously, Ryan Walters is going to want to be good on defense. Um, that's his MO. That's his baby, so to speak. You can't run the risk of going three and out or throwing an interception on the first play um, if you want to be good on defense. That's just not viable, not in the Big Ten. Uh, I've been writing about complimentary football since, basically since the day Graham Harrell got hired. And uh, that's going to be the interesting marriage is, you know, you don't want to almost co-head coaches, but it's almost uh, you'd assume Graham Harrell is going to be sort of like a, a head coach for offense the way sort of the way Nick Holt and Jeff Brom came in was sort of the head coach for defense. Um, I don't know Ryan Walters or his style well enough. If he has a style as a coach yet, I don't know, but I don't know any of that well enough to know how involved he's going to be in the offense. But Jeff Brom was barely involved in the defense uh, up until uh, a few years into things. Um, so there's going to have to be a partnership there that gets established uh, over time. But Purdue's got to be able to maintain the ball. They got to be able to score points, make big plays, obviously, but they got to be able to possess the possess the football. This isn't, you know, the Big Twelve where everybody's just, you know, scoring every um, every thirty seconds. Uh, it's a situation where you can't you can't play Wisconsin or, or traditional Wisconsin. I don't know what they're going to look like now or <laughs> typical Iowa and not be able to get first downs and expect to win those games. It's just, it, it's not, it, it's not a winning strategy. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the one, one of the things that, you know, maybe held Joe Tiller's era back and obviously college football is very different now, but one of the things that maybe kept them from winning even more games and winning at an even higher level was that is when you throw the ball every down, you're going to go three and out here and there, especially against really good teams. And then your defense yeah. wears second half. And especially at Purdue, when you don't get Alabama defensive talent, typically, um, that's a real problem. So they're going to have to strike a balance here between, you know, being explosive on offense, being consistent on offense, but also being prudent on offense and you know doing enough things to help the defense and not leaving the defense hung out to dry well as you said uh certainly will be intriguing to watch this season how all that comes together thank you brian no problem back in a moment with more on golden black radio designing and building since 1968 tnw has changed the way people think about construction TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. 
All right, Alan, let's uh, talk a little bit of Big Ten football here in week one. Some great games on the slate. <laughs> Just some real humbling. Some doozies. Yeah. The Saturday ones, you bet, buddy. <laughs> You guys are classic. Uh, yeah, let's let's hit the Saturday contest. Let's pick out five of them that do not include uh, Purdue and Fresno State, which could be. And That'd I be a good. Predict, it's gonna I be a good. <laughs> it will be a good game. Uh, let's start off in East Lansing. Excuse me, and, and let's go to Ann Arbor uh, to start things off. Number two, Michigan against East Carolina. Michigan is uh, a thirty-six point favorite. I guess the interesting thing about this game is that we will not see Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. Uh, we will see J.J. McCarthy, though, and he is pretty good. I would imagine that even without uh, Captain Comeback there over on the sideline, the Wolverines should be okay. Okay. And J.J. McCarthy is really good, in my opinion. I, mean, I, I was When we got to see him in person last year in the, uh, in the uh, Big Ten Championship, you just see what talent this kid's got. And when you got – when you've got the guys, uh, you know, Michigan just has got uh, options at running back. They're good defensively, and and they'll survive without Jim Harbaugh, and they'll survive in a big way against an East Carolina team that I don't think has any chance of uh, even making it uh, two-and-a-half two quarter interesting, so to speak. Uh, also a noon game uh, in Iowa City, number 25 Iowa taking on Utah State. Uh, Iowa's a 23-and-a-half point favorite, which means – the Hawkeyes will score 24 points and win it a shutout. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's uh, an assumption. They got to get 23 and a half. Yeah, they're they gonna, get there. They're, they're... Uh, I don't know. Will, will they be better offensively this season? Because it was, it was not good. Yeah, they, I mean, they will be because they've got a better quarterback, I think, and obviously, and that, that's going to help them with uh, McNamara coming from Michigan, I think. Uh, and, uh, and I was going to do what Iowa does and, and still they've been doing it this way for really a pretty darn long time. And that's, uh, still find ways to win with defense. And, and until they run the, the Ferences off the, out of, uh, out of town, which they're isn't going to happen anytime soon. I don't think, um, maybe I don't Kirk and Brian, uh, they're going to play that way and still win some, win their fair share of games. And right now, you know, Kyle, they really looked at as, uh, it's kind of looked at as a Iowa Wisconsin race in the West Division. So, uh, you know, I, I think Iowa gets out of there with it with a decisive victory. Three thirty kickoff in Bloomington, Indiana, hosting number three Ohio yeah. State. The Hoosiers will try to make sure this game is not over by three forty-five. Uh, the Buckeyes are thirty-point favorites on the road. Ooh. I don't have a good feel this year for Indiana. Uh, I don't know, man. Tom Allen feels like uh, time's running out, but then you look at that buyout and you realize maybe time is not running out. Indiana is going to be challenged here in this opener and probably challenged for much of the season. Well, and and the Kyle McCord era has he's been anointed the Ohio State's uh, quarterback. Ohio State has in Indiana. You go back what three or four years ago, that game was 49-21. I know that has nothing to do with this one, but Ohio State has come been a little bit at times slow out of the box. Last year, a 21-10 win over Notre Dame in a game that they kind of slugged their way through. I think this game could be not close, but it probably will be <laughs> be in the first half. Maybe interesting for a few minutes. Maybe Taven is it Taven Jackson's going to run around uh, for Indiana and make it kind of interesting for a couple set series. But I, I just think Ohio State and Michigan are lining up to play uh, in November for all the marbles. Indiana beat Illinois in the opener last year. They did. Bad call, but they did win. That's yeah. right. 
Buffalo and Wisconsin and Madison at 3.30. The Air Raid comes to Bad Town. How about that? The Air Raid taking over the Big Ten West. Uh, that'll be a little bit of a different look uh, for the Badgers. Yeah, I think Luke Fickle can bring a lot, though. It, it seems to me Tanner Mordecai is uh, the, the, uh, a capable quarterback. Um, they've got a running back that's obviously really good. They've got it. They've got a one would think their defense. It's just going to be different. And I think they'll be good because Luke Fickle's really good. And, and uh, I don't know how good, but again, the West Division's not very good. I know we're not talking about a West Division game in game one, but uh, uh, Wisconsin should win easily. Let's hit one of the two late games. West Virginia and Penn State are playing in Happy Valley, but let's talk more about the other 7.30 game. Toledo is at Illinois, fighting Illini, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I think if I'm Illinois, I'm 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 a little concerned about the idea of a letdown uh, coming off of a surprise season last year. They've had a lot of right. turnover in the coaching ranks. We know that uh, for yeah. sure. Uh, but this game could be a little bit more challenging, I think, than Illinois wants it to be. Right. Nine and a half point favorite. Toledo's good in the trenches. This is a game that uh, from what I what I can glean will be could be low scoring at times. Illinois, you know, wasn't a scoring machine last year. Certainly uh, did a lot with defense. Yeah, I, I'm nervous if I'm Illinois in this situation. I, I know. They a lot of people that want put want to put Bielema's team in that uh, upper echelon of the West this year. I just not sure I'm I'm buying that just yet, and uh, I I'd be much more in, inclined to do so if they go in and beat Toledo soundly. I don't know that they will. I think this will be a four quarter game. That's the Big Ten roundup for Week One. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's hit a historical view of Purdue and Fresno State. First, though, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Ross State Stadium. I know you were in the stadium a, a little bit. It's going to have a little bit of a different feel here for year 100. I thought you were going to say I was in the stadium in 1924, and that would have oh. been something, but I wasn't quite. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I did get a chance to, on Thursday night to step in just to watch them as they're still working on it. It'll be ready, but that that tunnel, it has a real different feel to it. We know that, but just coming in from the south end zone and under the under the uh, uh, that that south end zone, just different. Purdue finally, you know, they thought in 1924 they were going to name it the Ross Aid Bowl. It took it a hundred seasons to actually become a bowl for the first time, because for the first time that that stadium is uh, connected. Uh, and and I think the Tiller Tunnel really looks sharp from across the way today. The field, of course, is in great shape. It's going to be a great day weather-wise. I think uh, maybe a little bit warm on Saturday, but uh, yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting. Uh, I think there's been so much talk about this. I've been really kind of surprised by it. Fan base has really been intrigued by it. Uh, I think it won't come out in a major way until. Uh, that night game against Syracuse. That doesn't mean that there won't be a great, good atmosphere against Fresno State, but uh, you put that thing under the lights, it's going to be pretty spectacular. Yeah, I'm curious just about how how it changes sort of the uh, the feel for the stadium. I think it was something we won't know the answer to, and as you you know alluded to, there might not know the answer to that on Saturday. Perhaps it will take uh, one of those night games coming up. Yeah, I think you know you talked you've talked about it being an underrated uh, stadium in terms of noise and yeah. when the team is good and interesting. 
um, which uh, it has been a, more often than not in the last six years under Jeff Brom. Uh, Ryan Walters wanted, wants to get his team that way. Yeah, you. I think it has the ability with that enclosure to be a little bit different in terms of noise. Uh, uh, and I think that'll be kind of a fun thing to watch as, as uh, we go through this season. Purdue's got to put a competitive team on the field, obviously, and make these games interesting. But if, if they are, uh, I think it's got a chance to be a good home, a good, uh, home field advantage. Uh, Fresno State came in a day early to adjust uh, yes, they to, did. Uh, the, the friendly uh, Midwest here. It's not often we've invited teams over from California to play in Ross State Stadium. It's been a number of years. Purdue hasn't played a whole lot of teams uh, from California anywhere uh, uh, real often. Right. First one in the 21st century, right? Uh, Drew Brees in 1998. I think I'm still sweating from that one. Uh, <laughs> Purdue loses in the Pigskin Classic on August 30th. I think at 28-17 uh, uh, was it, but Brees' start, uh, Purdue had that lead, I think, at halftime. Uh, but but the point is is you're right. And then the last Cal team to play in Ross Eight Stadium was the Berkeley Bears, as Jim Coletto called them. Uh, and of course, Purdue put a hurt dance on on the 17th ranked Cal. Purdue I think was, was was over a 10 point underdog in that game, 141 to 14. We all thought the Boilermakers were heading off to maybe a bowl game under Jim Coletto. It didn't happen in six years. Uh, that was probably the one of the finer finer moments that in beating Michigan, beating Michigan, I suppose. Uh, in his year after he resigned. But uh, uh, that was the last time a, a team from California came. I don't think that uh, Cal came a day early, but uh, that we're all talking about the West Coast effect and the noon, noon start. I don't know if that means anything, but uh, Fresno State uh, is at least got an extra day with a head on the pillow in West Lafayette. <laughs> That's a historical view with Alan Carpet. Thanks, Al. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Back with more on Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. Acre Pro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. 
All right, Tom, let's talk a little bit of uh, matchups in this one. Uh, you know, we, we know little about Purdue right now. We know less about Fresno State, it feels like. So perhaps <laughs> matchups are a little bit difficult. But look, we know this about the Bulldogs. They're going to be able to throw the ball around and they've got a new quarterback. But yeah, we know the formula there. Uh, Purdue's going to have to try to get some pressure with those outside linebackers, it would seem. Uh, because we know they want to play man in the in the back half. You can only leave those guys out there for so long. The whole formula works if you can get pressure and and force the quarterback into throwing the ball a little bit earlier than what he would want. Yeah, get it. If you can't sack him, rush him, hurry him, right? And um, you know, Fresno State, they they like their their they're playing the trenches on both sides of the ball. So that's that's if you're a coach, it has to make you feel good, right? We know you're good up front on offense and defense. So if, I, know, I know they feel pretty solid about their lines. Talked about the quarterback, Mikey Keene, a transfer from UCF. He's like 5'10", 5'11 guy. And uh, he can move around, and I think you can envision the type of quarterback he is, the problems he can he can present. They lost two good receivers and a good running back. So <clears throat> the skill guys on offense, they're, they're really trying to break in here. And defensively, that may be their strength. They've got a very, very uh, – a veteran defensive coordinator, Kevin Coyle, older guys, was in the NFL for a long time. Uh, two very good cornerbacks, Kyle, probably power five-level cornerbacks and, and a star linebacker. So, again, that defense could pose some problems here. Keep, keep your eye on that matchup. And then Jeff Tetford, 61 years old, and this is a guy who's coached a lot of great ball players. I think he's coached five or six players from quarterbacks who went on to be first-round picks, including Aaron Rodgers and Kyle Bowler, among others. I think Joey Harrington. So this guy knows how to develop quarterbacks and offenses. And uh, <laughs> it's, they're going to be ready. Yeah. They're going to be ready. That's all I'm going to say. They got out here a day early to acclimate themselves to the time zone change as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, this isn't the type of team you would like to – You'd like to square off on uh, in game one, especially if you're a new coach. But again, um, Purdue's going to find out a heck of a lot of itself about itself after after this first game here. Seems to me for Purdue offensively, I, I know that it wants to throw the ball. It's probably going to throw the ball ultimately a little bit more than it than it runs the ball. But yeah. early on in the game, I'm looking to try to get Devin Mockaby uh, mm-hmm. dialed in and in a little bit of rhythm. And as you as you mentioned. I like Tyrone Tracy as a running back, too. I think he can do some things yeah. from there in the passing game that maybe brings another dimension. And we know Dylan Downing is a solid back as well. If I'm Graham Harrell, I'm I'm thinking early on that I want to get uh, the ball to my running backs and establish at least something a little bit there. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Take advantage of that strength. And then then, then, that, then, always, then, then we swing back to the quarterback, number one, right? Hudson Card and uh... – he seemingly has checked every box, Kyle. And and the one thing that you know, people talk about his ability to throw the ball, and and they, they marvel at his at his at his release and his quickness and ability to make most every throw. But it's that ability to to move and the athletic ability can extend plays with his feet, uh, can run if need be. So he could be a real weapon and a real X factor here. Yeah, Pruitt hasn't had a quarterback of this ilk. I guess David Blau can move a little bit, but. Yeah. This is a guy that's at a little different level, I think, from uh, not just throwing, but obviously from running as well, using his feet. So he could be a, the ultimate X factor here, and it goes without saying. I mean, you know, he's going to have to play well for Purdue to win most of any, any game this year, I would think, right? Yeah. I mean, that's generally the case. You know, yeah. Purdue's quarterbacks play well. 
they get an opportunity to win football games. All right, uh, it's the season debut. <laughs> Who you got on Saturday? I'm going Boilers 30-28. to 28. I think how all this game opened up, you, you know better than me. I went to previous maybe a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it's down to three. I don't think they cover, but I think they find a way to eke this thing out. Uh, maybe Ben Free, uh, one of my picks to click, or my uh, crazy uh, hot take was he's going to kick a 50-yard field goal. Purdue hasn't had a 50-yard field goal since 2019. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a nail-biter. This is going to be a fourth-quarter game, I think. So a fan is better, better strap it in and, and uh, be ready for, for some tense moments, I think, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I uh, what I what I picked for my final. Um, I've got uh, I think Purdue 33 to 27. Okay, uh, close one as well. I, I think it comes down to uh, to the finish here. Um, I think that uh, you know Purdue <laughs> will have enough offensively. Uh, I like Hudson Card, obviously. I like the running yeah. game. I'm a little bit concerned about who your go-to guy is in a big situation. Purdue has had guys here recently. You know, we know the names, obviously, Rondell Moore, David Bell, Charlie Jones last year. Who is that guy? It doesn't even have yeah. to be, like, you know, a red zone guy. Who's that guy on on uh, third and five at midfield that extends a drive? Uh, is that T.J. Sheffield? Is it Deion Burks? Mm-hmm. I think that we have to try to figure that out a little bit. That's an important player, especially with Garrett Miller. Uh, not out here at least for game game one. So I'm curious to see that. But I've got the Boilermakers eking it out. Uh, as we have said ad nauseum, it feels like headed into this season. <laughs> These games matter here early in the season, uh, Tom. Uh, it just, I mean, it, it sets you up a little bit if you can win on Saturday, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, we've, we've talked about this, it seems like for five years. It doesn't seem like five years, but it's finally here. And again, we've talked about September. You've got five games this month. Four of them are at home. I mean, you've got to be at least three and two in that calendar flips to October, I think, if you want to go to a bowl, Kyle. Um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Fresno State, then you got to turn around and go to Blacksburg. Not going to be easy to win at Lane Stadium. I know they're struggling, but the Hokies are still a proud program looking to get on track. You'd hate to go there 0-1, maybe come home 0-2. Then you're looking at Syracuse. Wisconsin and Illinois at home. <clears throat> so again, man, you got to find a way to. This it's got to start sadly with this Fresno State team. You got to find a way, no matter if it's ugly, it's ugly. Just get a W. And uh, <clears throat> again, you want all that mojo, uh, all you can get as this month bleeds on. Because again, this is the month I think it's going to make or break Purdue's hopes to to get to the bowl for a third year in a row. Sounds good, Tom. Have a good all day, right, my friend. Take care, my friend. Be good. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhart, Brian Dubert, and Alan Kerpik. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold Black Radio.